You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode 11 of Electric Bike Radio. One, two, three, go. I'm Jared, and this is Dwayne. Hey, Jared. It's good to be uh, back in studio after our on-the-scene field reporting last week in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, we had a blast last week with the Let's Glow Riding crew. So if you haven't checked that out yet, have a listen. Uh, If you're looking for a great local ride, a lot of fun, and if you want being all lit up, um, that's where to hear about it. That would be episode 10, I believe. But hearkening back to one more episode, in episode 8, we talked about types of electric bikes. You know, the frame styles almost. Cruisers, mountain, road, trikes. This week we're going to talk about e-bike classes, which is a little bit trickier subject. It is a little trickier. If if you've been around e-bikes much, you've heard talk about class 1, 2, and 3 e-bikes, and there is a simple answer to what those things mean, but when you really start looking into it, it's not quite as simple as it seems on its face. There's no central authority that defines e-bike classification, so the classes aren't the law everywhere. Uh, in fact, the one, two, three classifications that we're going to talk about are only the law in a little more than half of the states in the United States. I think at last count, 26 states. And that is a lot of states. We'll throw a link in the show notes for you if you want to check that out. And most e-bike manufacturers do recognize these classifications. They'll print it on the bike. So it's still a useful way to classify e-bikes, even if your state law might be different. Of course, you really need to familiarize yourself with the e-bike laws in your particular state and municipality. We can't advise you specifically about the legality of your bike, so check it out on your own a little bit. Yeah, but we can help you understand generally what these e-bike classes mean. Now, the interpretation can vary a little bit depending on who you ask. Uh, These things aren't cast in stone, but we'll talk about sort of the generally accepted characteristics that define each class. The first one, of course, is class one. Uh, Class one bikes are very common and maybe one of the least regulated of all the e-bike classes, maybe because they're the most similar to a traditional bike. So class one e-bikes are limited to a top speed of 20 miles per hour, and the electric motor only works when the rider is pedaling. It's a pedal assist only. And, you know, we've heard that some people like to call this a pedelec, an abbreviation of a pedal electric cycle, because it only operates when you're pedaling. There's no throttle whatsoever. You know, I had not heard that term pedelec until I started researching for this episode, but I kind of like it. It's a descriptive term. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, there are some, it's not real common, but there are some bikes um, like the Van Moof, the S3 and X3 bikes, which are really cool bikes, by the way. (laughs) A chance Mm -hmm. to look at them a little bit. Very high tech, very cool bikes. They actually have a throttle that offers extra power boost, but... They are true um, Class 1 e-bikes, so the throttle works only if you're also pedaling. Now, you don't have to be pedaling real hard. You just have to essentially be turning the pedals, uh, you know, sort of free spinning, and it allows the throttle to work. But uh, that's why the the Van Moof bikes like that, they have a throttle, but they're still a Class 1 because it only works when you're pedaling, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that's unique in the the e-bike world. 
So class one e-bikes, and again, we're speaking generally here. Please check out the laws in your, in your area. But generally, class one e-bikes are allowed on bike paths and bike lanes that are shared with traditional human-powered traditional bikes. Basically, most places treat class one e-bikes just like any other regular traditional bike. And I think that's a large part because they are so similar to regular traditional bikes. You know, you don't see people zooming around without pedaling and that sort of thing. So it's it's sort of the closest analog to a traditional bike. And some of the examples, I already mentioned the, the Van Moof bikes, but very commonly out there on the trail, we see the Specialized Como, the Trek Verve. These are all very popular bikes that are Class 1 bikes. So next up, we come to Class 2, which is also a very common class of e-bikes. Class 2 e-bikes are also limited to a top speed of 20 miles per hour but they have throttles that work when you're not pedaling. So the only difference here really is that you have a throttle that you can use when you want. Most class two e-bikes still have pedal assist. They just add that separate throttle. You can ride entirely with the throttle and not pedal if you wish. And as with class one e-bikes for most places, you can generally ride them the same places as a solely human powered bike. However, I have seen that there are some areas where a bike with a throttle can be restricted in some areas. Specifically, like multi-use paths, you know, bike mm-hmm. paths. This can be a matter of local rules and regulations, and it's something that you might have to do a little bit of more research where you are riding and pay attention to any trail rules and any signage that restrict bikes with a throttle. But as a practical matter, if you're not using your throttle, is anybody really going to be able to tell or right. give you a hard time? <laughs> Probably not, right? Nobody's going to see you if you're just pedaling along and you're doing a normal rate of speed. Nobody's going to hassle you. At least that's our experience. So we aren't telling you to break the law, but we are saying that if you find yourself in a situation where you shouldn't be, sticking to just pedal assist without using your throttle does a pretty good job of camouflaging your class two status. Nobody's really going to be figuring it out. For the record, Dwayne and I both happen to ride class two bikes. I think almost every rad power bike is a class two bike, including my rad wagon uh, the Pedego Boomerang is also a Class 2 bike, although I do know that Pedego does offer some other classes of bikes. Is that right, Dwayne? Yeah, that is right, but I, the, the majority of them tend to be Class 2 bikes. Okay. Now we get into Class 3, and this is where things get a little bit more confusing, and there's some variation in the in the definitions here, but it's generally true that Class 3 e-bikes can go up to 28 miles per hour, so from 20 to 28 and they are required to have a speedometer, but they may or may not have a throttle. It really depends upon the state that's writing the rules. California, for example, doesn't allow Class 3 e-bikes to have a throttle at all. It can only be a pedal assist. In other states, throttles are allowed as long as they only work up to the 20-mile-an-hour cutoff, and then you can have additional pedal assist up to 28 miles per hour. So it it really varies a little bit on where exactly you are. You know, that makes sense with some things I've heard because I know that with most rad power bikes, you can change the upper limit of what speed it will get to to go over the 20 miles an hour it comes with stock. And people always say that turns it into a class three bike. So that comports with what you're, you're saying here is that once you go over 20 miles an hour, especially on throttle alone, it's almost definitely into Class 3 territory. Yeah, and most states let you take a Class 3 e-bike into road lanes or into a bike-only lane on the shoulder of the road, what they call the the curb-to-curb you know, area. 
but you can't take them on bike paths that exist outside of the road or on multi-use trails that are shared with pedestrians like, you know, in a park or in a rails-to-trails type multi-use path. It sounds like you kind of bought yourself a a moped or an electric moped then at that point. Is that right? Is that a good way of looking at it? Yeah, I think so. You've you've sort of taken yourself out of the of the bike category by going class three in some areas. Now, a few of the manufacturers try to work around these restrictions, right, by adding like a mode that limits the speed to 20 miles per hour so that you can theoretically ride legally on these paths. Um, you can toggle a setting or, or sometimes some bikes even had a key that you can, you know, remove to unlock the bike's full potential, but otherwise you're essentially riding a class two. It's interesting. I don't know if it's legally valid or not. (laughs) And again, this probably depends upon your jurisdiction, but you know, technically if your bike is a class three and it's labeled as such as a class three, you know, it's an interesting question as to whether a software limitation is going to get, keep you out of trouble if you wind up there. That is interesting, Dwayne. So some examples of class three e-bikes that we know of are, the Specialized Turbo Vado or Vado, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, SL <laughs> equipped. The Aventon Pace 500, interestingly enough, is uh, limited to 28 miles an hour, not your standard 20 that, frankly, I thought we were at before we did some research for this uh, podcast. The Trek Domain Plus HP or the Juiced Rip Current. And uh, there's actually a, a number of bikes in that kind of same body style, the the banana seat body style that have a whole lot of power and uh I think it's because you're not really planning on pedaling at 28 miles an hour. You're just using the gas. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to ride one. <laughs> I haven't ridden one yet, but I would like to ride one. But I think it's going to be more like a a dirt bike feel, a dirt bike feel to it than, than a pedaling bike. Now, I should mention, because I, I, I alluded to this before, but in the 26 states that classify bikes this way, they also require that manufacturers label their bikes with their classification and I'm pretty sure it's generally on the seat tube, you know, towards the, uh, towards the bottom bracket. So, uh, the truth is that while you can ride a class two without using the throttle, or you can limit your class three bike to 20 miles per hour in software, the actual class of the bike is on a label and it is easily verifiable by law enforcement or anybody who's, you know, in charge of monitoring these things. So, it shouldn't really be a secret what class your bike is. <laughs> if, some, if if you're calling attention to yourself enough that someone is actually going to inspect your bike, they're going to figure it out, right? Right. And then the question turns to when you start modifying your bike, but you still have that nice little class two or class three label on it, what happens then? Um, we'll We'll maybe talk about that in a future episode. But, you know, we are in Florida and many of our listeners are in Florida. So we should talk a little bit about Florida law, I think. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, Interesting, Florida law changed recently. Uh, If you're into looking these things up, uh, it's actually Florida statute. It's it's a long number, Jared. It's 316, uh, which is the traffic code, 316.20655. And e-bikes are now specifically defined as a bicycle or tricycle equipped with fully operable pedals, a seat or saddle for the use of the rider, and an electric motor of less than... 750 watts. Um, 
Interestingly, it doesn't say less than or equal to <laughs> 750 that watts. But, yeah. And the statute goes on to say that these anything that meets this definition of an e-bike uh, shall be afforded all of the rights and privileges and be subject to all of the duties of a bicycle or the operator of a bicycle and is a vehicle to the same extent as a bicycle. So what that means is that e-bikes can be operated anywhere that a regular traditional bike can be operated, including bike lanes, streets, sidewalks, you know, multi-use paths, uh, that sort of thing. Even though there is a Florida statute on this, Dwayne, you know, counties and municipalities can be a little stricter with passing certain ordinances or whatnot for specific areas around them. Also, Florida statutes, um, and this isn't legal advice, but generally Florida statutes can't do anything about what happens in federal parks and federal lands. So as always, and just like everything we've said in this podcast so far, this isn't legal advice. You really have to check out your own state and municipality to make sure that you're on the right side of the law. So hopefully this description gives you some idea of how the e-bike classifications work, you know, how they're generally applied and by the bike industry, if not all of the states, but a lot of the states, and you can figure out how your bike is classified. But, you know, as always, as Jared was just saying, you just have to check your local laws and be sure that you are complying with the law, you know, wherever you are riding. I will stick some of the links that we found um, when we were researching. We'll put those in the show notes, so check those out. But, you know, be thorough and do your own research. Don't rely on anything that any other bike manufacturer or something might say, too. You know, find out for yourself. Or any silly podcast host. Or definitely don't trust a podcast host. <laughs> so please follow or subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. We're available just about anywhere that you can get digital content or podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. Our contact information and the links to the things we mentioned in the show are always in the show notes and are available on your podcast player or on our website, www.ebikeradio.com. Well, thanks, Dwayne, and thanks to you all for listening, and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio. 